When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome along to today's Blood Red podcast. I'm your host, Matt Addison, with Kiefer McDonald and Theo Squires both alongside me. We're going to talk a little bit about West Ham. We're going to talk a little bit about Tottenham at the weekend as well. We'll probably touch on a few other bits, maybe Fabio Cavallio, maybe the top four <laughs> race. We shall see how we go. Um, but yeah, Theo, I'll come to you first and we are having a few technical issues, so hopefully this is actually recording, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a minute in. I think we're good. I think we're good, Mark. We're good. We don't have to good start stuff. over. Excellent stuff, right. Well, good, because I nailed that intro and I've not done one of these in person for about two and a half years, so that's certainly a positive start. So uh, yeah, West Ham United, always a difficult place to go for Liverpool, but... They managed to win, and I think it was important that they came from behind as well. Obviously, you never want to go a goal down, but certainly a good sign in terms of of showing that they can sort of cope with adversity, which we haven't seen a lot this season. Yeah, I think it's what they needed off the back of that Nottingham Forest game. Like We said after that one that it was the first time in a while where it felt like Liverpool might have that bit of resilience, that they can hold on and win a game. I compared it to the Brighton 3 all earlier in the season, but this was that taking that extra step, wasn't it, to actually fall behind early on but put in the perfect response. Like Liverpool pretty much controlled the game from start to finish. It wasn't much of a setback and it was just waiting for that second goal to come in once they got level terms. It helped that Cody Gapro equalised so quickly, I think. But then it was just knocking at the door time and time again. I think, was it third time of asking for Joel Matip? A big moment from him. Hopefully in a month's time we're saying it's a huge moment in the top four race. I think after yesterday it might be a bit of a stretch at the moment. But fingers crossed we'll see. But yeah, as Klopp says, Liverpool need to finish the season strong. It's about getting that resilience, getting that spirit. And finally, finally, I think I'm going to put my neck on the line here. It is a corner turned. Yes. It's what, five games unbeaten, three wins. They've shown this bit of spirit. Obviously, now they need to go and batter Spurs, as Newcastle did so emphatically. But yeah, we'll say we're on a positive here. Liverpool are in the right direction. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. I don't know about you, Kiefer, but it does feel like a corner has been turned now. The fact that they've gone on a bit of a run, they've won a couple of games away from home, they've started to score goals, and even when they've gone a goal behind, it didn't just collapse like we've seen so many times this season. They could have easily just felt a bit sorry for themselves and, oh, it's happened again, but they didn't. They turned it around. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, West Ham aren't having the greatest of seasons by, obviously, their recent standards, but they're obviously no mugs. They've obviously done well in Europe this season, obviously in the semi-finals for, for a second consecutive year. Um, and I think obviously given the way the game went last year um, was it November 2021 when Liverpool lost it it was the first loss of the season it was quite a physical game wasn't it and Liverpool kind of just got bullied that, that game and, and, and Antonio caused them a lot of problems and Bowen did as well didn't they yeah. that was the one where they scored like almost direct from a corner and went yeah down and Alisson kind of goals, got bullied yeah and uh, you know I think look going into this game you know obviously they're, they're, they're still fighting for Premier League survival but I think everyone was a bit you know apprehensive and the one thing I will say about the last you know, five games that obviously they're unbeaten now is they've kind of ticked every box. Obviously, they've implemented this new system, but they've also won in every different kind of way or, or kind of stayed unbeaten in every type of way. Obviously, they got the, the emphatic win at, at Leeds, which obviously kind of reaffirmed that that attacking quality is still there. And obviously, they've kind of shown the resilience against Forest and then now against West Ham. And, and then they had the kind of the, the late rally against Arsenal in the second half. And 
obviously the, the Chelsea game was was kind of a game that I think everyone forgets during this run. But you know that was just a weird game altogether of two clubs having you know pretty poor seasons by their own standards. But as I say, it's if you kind of piece them all together and look at the bigger picture I think it is fair to say it is a corner turn now because you know not only are they doing something different in terms of tactics and you know they, they ticked all those boxes and you know it looks like the Liverpool of old in terms of you know resilience and you know not fearing when they go a goal behind because I think so many times this season especially on the road when that first goal has gone in you know I think of the, the games against Brighton and, and Wolves in uh, with both three nils in early 2023 and you know, as soon as the first goal went in, you just knew Liverpool were never going to take anything from the game, and and that didn't seem to be the case on on on, on Wednesday night, whenever it was. And Astio says obviously it helped that Gakpo scored so early, but just to kind of even when the Boeing goal was disallowed midway through the second half, they went again, and you know it was just a, a really pleasing side. And, and Astio says, you know, hopefully in in a you know a month's time, we're, we're saying what a huge three points that was on the road for Liverpool in terms of the top four aspirations. But even if it's not, I think you can say now that there is. You know, plenty of stuff to, to look forward to ahead of next season, and you know there is plenty of promise. You know, if you think of where we were six six weeks ago, really, it's uh, it's turned around quite quickly. Yeah, it, it does sort of feel like there's a bit more control within Liverpool's play, and, and certainly, you know, against a team like West Ham that can counter attack, as will come up against the, at the weekend in terms of Spurs. Jurgen Klopp was talking about that. It it feels like Liverpool can sort of control and, and dominate games a bit more where you know you think the Wolves game and, and so many others this season it's just been all over the shop it, it certainly helps defensively if you can just keep the ball for a bit yeah they, they certainly look a bit more confident on the ball and that helps when you've got Trent in that inverted yeah. fullback role, role because he looks so comfortable on the ball and if you know oh you can just give it to Trent and he's not going to lose it that makes you relax a bit more it means Fabinho doesn't have to cover as much ground I think I wouldn't have been the only one that when that team sheet comes out, you're a little bit concerned about Joel Matip's role in that formation because he doesn't have the pace of a Canato or a Joe Gomez. But he covered himself pretty well considering he was really good carrying it forward. Maybe a little bit of a struggle when West Ham were countering. Man it's of how, the match, wasn't he? On but he was still man of the match. and It's how West Ham got their goal, wasn't it? Paqueta um, cuts in. That was a brilliant goal. Yeah. So well worked. I know Klopp was fuming that they weren't closing it down, but it's that wake-up call. Uh, the only thing you want to see now is Liverpool get a clean sheet. Like they are conceding some silly goals still. Like as good as the West Ham goal was from West Ham's point of view, you still want to see Liverpool pressing and countering it a bit more, stopping them having that shooting opportunity. Like we've seen Leeds gifted a goal, Forest were gifted goals, Arsenal were gifted goals. They need to take that step now. And Tottenham, that's a great chance to do it. We've seen Liverpool against the big teams. That's when they're putting their better performances, shall we say, many times this season. Some haven't been the case, but some they have. You'd like to think they can do that against Tottenham. Like Klopp was very... Um, he praised them a lot, Spurs, for their counter-attacking. He says he's preparing for their, their best side, not the side that lost 6-1 to Newcastle, the side that came back and should have potentially won against Manchester United last night. So if Spurs are the best version of themselves, let's hope Liverpool are the best version of themselves as well, and it is going to be this other step. But yeah, when we know Liverpool at their best, pressing high, keeping the ball, looking so confident, looking so cool. No match for anyone. Yeah, I think it was interesting that Jurgen Klopp made clear that Ibrahim Konate could have played against West Ham. Obviously, didn't take any risks with him, but you'd imagine that he probably comes back in. But the, the Matip situation is, is interesting. There have been a few suggestions that maybe he could move on in the summer, suggestions that Liverpool might be interested in a centre-back. I mean, where are you sort of at with that? He's only got a year left on his contract. It is, it is an interesting one, I think, heading into the summer. I'd sell him personally. Like I think if we're in a situation where they need to sell some players to raise funds, like we're not going to be in a position where they go and sell someone for 140 million and they go, oh, we can get Drew Bellingham now. That's not going to happen. 
but they still need to move some players on so they're not stuck in transition for a bit longer. It's an ageing squad. Too many players have been going for free transfers in recent years. And you think Joel Matip, I know he's third place in the pecking order and centre-back, but for me, he should be fourth choice now. Like His body lets him down so many times. And while he had the season of his life last year, this year he's been pretty poor. That doesn't help when he hasn't had a run of games because he's had injuries again. But he's been making silly mistakes. He's looked fragile at times, which is what made West Ham's performance so much of a change because he came in out with the cold, having not played for what weeks, months, <clears throat> or however long it is. Two months since his league, league start. Yeah. yeah, anyway. So he goes and does that and he puts in a really good performance. And it's not something we've seen from much this season. But he is wrong side of 30, out of contract in a year. He's not going to start if Canate's fitting on form, if Van Dyke's fitting on form. Feels like the right time for him to move on, have a go somewhere else. And if it's the right centre backs available, Liverpool snap him up. Then you've got an understudy for Van Dyke. The only question is if there is someone they want who's available, who's not going to cost too much, and it all comes into place. Like we've seen it time and time again. The right player's not available. Klopp is happy to keep him for a year, let him sit on the contract and let him go for free, and then bring in the right player. But when you listen to all the paper talk and everything, it does seem like we are edging towards this parting of ways. It's not going to be for masses of money if it does happen if Matip goes he's one of Liverpool's best ever Bosman transfers he's won every major <coughs> honour he'll have started what Champions League final he's a Liverpool cult hero I'm not going to call him a legend but <laughs> if we want to call this whole generation of yeah. players legends he's very much earned in that bracket yeah, you certainly sort of hit the, the heights at times, maybe less so this season. And I'm sure a lot of people will have sort of questions about Joe Gomez as well. But yeah. I suppose the only thing you'd say with that is he's obviously a lot younger. He can play right back. Yeah. He's homegrown. Yeah. There's, there's maybe a bit more of an argument to, to keep him. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you look at the, the kind of way Liverpool are transition, transitioning now with this uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold role. I think, you know, the, the one kind of standout that Matip had over over Gomez in, in recent years was his kind of coolness on the ball and his, you know, how many times we've seen those kind of mazy runs where he's, you know, unlocks defences and, and pops it off to Salah. Um, and I think now with obviously Trent taking a kind of more control of that situation and maybe the centre-back's taking a, a more reserved role and, and certainly as Theo says, you know, you look at someone of Canate's of kind of ilk and, and, you know, he kind of has all the attributes that you'd need to kind of cover, you know, that, that, that right centre-half space and the full-back space. So, you know, whilst Matip was great on... Uh, on Wednesday against West Ham you, you think going forward there's going to be more emphasis well less emphasis on ball playing centre-halves and more kind of giving it into Trent and, and those kind of players so maybe it's the right time for kind of Liverpool and, and Matip to kind of shake hands and you know maybe he wants to, to kind of go elsewhere like, like we've seen with a, a few of them you know of this kind of group you know for me you know, we imagine we'll probably go to you know a decent European side and, and get like kind of one last bumper contract obviously we saw the same with, with Sadio Mane last year uh, whilst I don't think Matip will probably go for a, a similar fee um, you know, it's probably a chance to get a, a bit more security in terms of a contract on his kind of ending, and, and you know maybe get a, a better kind of deal as he heads into kind of his what is he now thirty one is he I think, so you know heads into kind of his his his, his you know thirties and uh, you know Gomez is is a weird one isn't he because you know he's he's had so much promise and probably another one who's had so many false dawns in in recent times you know we saw back in October the game against Manchester City where he was you know absolutely brilliant and kind of helped keep you know Erling Haaland at bay. Um, and then I think a week later or two weeks later was the Leeds game and he kind of had that mock-up for the goal with Alisson, didn't he? And, you know, it just kind of feels like he's never been able, been one to kind of get consistency since Liverpool did win the league and obviously I know injuries, he had that knee injury for, you know, 12 months or whatever it was and I, I just think now he's, he's probably... Well, he is going to be third choice, and there's a chance if, if a decent centre-half comes in next year, he probably finds himself as fourth choice again. But I think, you know, the fact that he can play full-back as well is something that really does kind of 
boost his kind of value to to, to Klopp and, and the rest of the Liverpool squad. So, as you say, he's homegrown, and that's you know as Theo will know as as the homegrown <laughs> quota guy, it, that that could potentially be an issue for Liverpool. Um, it could certainly be an expensive uh, fix um, to, to find solutions for. So you know it's, it, it would be silly to kind of palm him off you know you're not going to get a, a great deal of money if you were to let Joe Gomez go obviously signed a, a new long-term contract into uh, the back end of last year or, or last summer even so you know I think it obviously makes sense that Matip will be the, the kind of one to, to, to part this summer but as Dio says this this whole team of you know this over the last three or four or five years this Liverpool squad they're, they're all legends in their own right so you know it's it's certainly no shame to, to kind of see this as the end of his Liverpool career because you know considering he came for a free transfer five six seven years ago it's it's been you know he's been one of the as you say, one of the best Bosnian transfers at probably in, in modern European football, really. I think you've been a bit harsh on Joe Gomez there. I think he's got a, a part to play in this future. No, I, I do like him. I, th- I think I, I've always I've been a massive advocate of him. I, th- I think he's, he's really good. But I, I've, my kind of, I think the big thing with Gomez is that he always needs a run of games. And I know you can say that about a lot of players. And, you know, you look at Curtis Jones now over the last five games and what's that, what's that You're done for him. Paper, then. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think, um, I, I just think, you know, as, as someone who's now is, is third choice and potentially could be fourth choice, whilst you know Liverpool will always play you know fifty, sixty games a season, as he's still going to rack up. I just think he'll probably struggle now to reach those heights that we saw in you know before he got the injury at Burnley in in twenty God twenty eighteen was that, and obviously he came back the season after didn't he and, and did well in the title winning season, but. I just think that kind of partnership of Van Dijk and Gomez of how good it was and it was so esteemed, wasn't it? I, I just think we'd, we'd struggle to kind of see, you know, that ever be replicated now. And obviously that's because Canate's been so good. I don't think people expected him to be as good as he has so soon and his, his kind of front-footed aggressiveness to defend in and, you know, talk about winning the ball fast and high up in areas. He's really good. And as Van Dijk kind of sweeps, he, they kind of complement each other so well, like, like Van Dijk and Gomez did all those years ago. But I would just find it hard to see anyone dis, displacing... Um, Canate in the in the immediate future. I think that's how it all unfolds though in the years ahead, doesn't it? Because like Van Dijk's not getting any younger yeah. either. He himself has said Gomez and Canate will be the long term centre back partnership as his replacements. Now I know many people have their doubts about that. You'd imagine if Liverpool go and get in a quality centre back, them and Canate the long term future. But we've seen how quickly it can change. Yeah. Like you've just said that with Curtis Jones. This, if Joe Gomez gets a run of games, maybe he can turn the corner. And it depends what he wants to do. Yeah. Like he signed this contract when there were links with, I don't know, Aston Villa, Newcastle, yeah. United. And there was even one with Real Madrid at one point. <laughs> so he's Arsenal as well. I Arsenal think it was as well. So he's got so many admirers. He's a very good centre-back. And I think he's been overlooked somewhat in modern football because you think, oh, he's quite small. He's quite slight for a centre-back. But that's because the ones Liverpool have also got they're like six foot four, yeah. six foot five. They're, they're machines. They're monsters. They're yeah. like towering over everyone. Whereas a few years ago, six foot two, whatever Gomez is, that's perfectly fine for a centre back. He's got that bit of pace, but he's still got the attributes to fit into this team. Like the fact that Liverpool now doing this new setup, if it's three centre backs or Robertson is hybrid on the other side as a centre back, can go forward. Joe Gomez could be in that role as yeah, well. Yeah, that's what I mean. Go, that plays from that. He can go do anywhere the, across yeah. that defence. So there is a role there. It just sees what Klopp thinks from the team going future forward like is this hybrid invention is this only because the midfield doesn't have the legs at the moment it gets Trent on the ball more Fabinho can't cover as much ground he gets a bit more protection is this what they're sticking with next year or are they going to vary it up game to game depending on opponents or is it back to tried and trusted 4-3-3 we've got a lovely new number 6 Fabinho substitute Stefan Bacetic is back in he's available Trent's in the form of his life again and we don't need it yeah. but it depends Like the fact they've got these options they have got these discussions said means you can just weigh up each situation and then make your decision 
because players will get injured. But Canate's hardly been free from injury this year. Like the fact they had to be so careful with him in midweek shows yeah. that again. It's up to Joe Gomez. If he runs out of patience, he wants to go and play, he goes with your blessing. But at the moment, if he's happy in his role, keep him. And as we keep saying, it's not just homegrown, it's the fact that he's club trained. Yeah. Like Liverpool have only got three players at the moment, Trent, Kelleher and Gomez, who are club trained for European qualification for their squad rules. Jones will make it a fourth in the summer, but then you expect Kelleher to go. Yeah. Maybe Liverpool finish eighth. Don't need to worry about this for another year. But it's still <laughs> something that is there to be considered. And you do need it. Like if you lose them and you don't have the players coming through to replace that, you have to sign, I don't know, Connor Cody, Raheem Sterling, these players. What happened, is it? Yeah, and I suppose the, 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 the good thing about that is because he's tied down to a contract, excuse me, <coughs> because he's tied down to a contract, it's on Liverpool's terms if he is yeah. to yeah. to lose. You know, it would take, you know, it's kind of similar to Jotter in that sense of, you know, he's someone who's obviously clearly not for sale, but if, you know, a mammoth offer did come in, you know, you would be happy to maybe let him go. But, you know, with him signing that new deal last summer, obviously he's the one that's going to stay and Matip is the one I think we all can agree is probably going to go this summer, isn't he? The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, certainly as the uh, the refresh takes place. But let's move forward a little bit into the uh, the midfield then, Theo, as well. Obviously, a new setup for Trent that we've talked a lot about. But I wanted to have a little bit of a chat about what that means for the other players in that role as well. Obviously, Curtis Jones is one of those. Jordan Henderson maybe slightly less naturally suited to play in that more advanced role. But suddenly, I think, links to Mason Mount and Brian Gravenberg and various others start to make a little bit more sense in terms of that system. So what have you made of it so far? And do you think this is how Liverpool's midfield will look next season? It's hard to say. Like, like I've just said in that previous answer, it depends entirely on which midfielders they can bring in, who's available. But then the fact that we can't predict it when we're watching Liverpool week in, week out, we know the players they've got at the moment, we know the strengths they've got. It means it's going to be harder for those opposing teams as well. Like, I think we're all in agreement. Fabinho, on this current form, even though he's improved, is not going to be first choice for Liverpool if they can go and improve and get a decent starting six midfielder. But then it just depends who's available. Like I'm sure we'd go... I want these three midfielders, you want these three midfielders, you want these three midfielders, and we'd all say three different names, or at least two of those three are going to be different. Like You can make arguments for all of these players. It just depends who they can bring in and then what they want to do, what are they comfortable with, what they, they favour. Like Mason Mount, that does make more sense. You could see him being on the, the right in this box, what are we calling it, 3-2-2-3, three, two, two, three, yeah. box, invert, fullback, all these various names <laughs> for this mad formation that isn't actually that mad. People keep saying, interestingly, that he could play on the left, uh, on the right, but I, I think he could play from the left, I can see That's him. That's why he played the, on the 2 foot, didn't he, on that yeah, kind of half space that, that left. kind of yeah. Curtis Jones kind of, kind of attacking, but coming in from that left, I can really... But then we, you could also see him being completely reinvented as a deeper number eight, as yeah. Genie Wijnaldum was yeah. when he came in, in the 4-3-3. The three, three. But that's what Jurgen Klopp likes, isn't he? He wants these versatile players, the ones that can go, oh, you can play six, you can play eight, you can play ten, to get ahead with our, our next point will be Fabio Carvalho. When he signed him, he said, oh, he can play as an eight, he can play as a winger, he can play as a ten, he can play as a false nine. They want these versatile yeah. players so they can vary it up. And we've seen that with Wijnaldum when he was at the club where he, he played pretty much everywhere in midfield. He had a game at false nine, he had a game at uh, centre. So, so, right he, yeah. he was on left winger for some <laughs> games as well. It makes the manager's job a hell of a lot easier. Yeah. They can tweak it, depending on injuries and all of these things. But it's a very hard question to answer still before we know which midfielders are coming in. Like From the Liverpool point of view, you say Mason Mount is the first choice now. He is the priority, pulled out of the Drew Bellingham race. But then we've all seen the reports this week saying Chelsea have had, or the top bowlers had talks with him, and they may be feeling a little bit more confident that a compromise can be 
met in the summer. Like, it's just so up in the air. And then we go through midfielders, attacking ones. You've got McAllister there, he's a great player. But then if you get Caicedo from Brighton instead, maybe you don't need the box formation because you've got a, a proper yeah. number six there. Uh, just need to wait for the summer and see which midfielders they sign. Then we can have that conversation again. and Maybe it will fit more to what formation is Liverpool's strongest. But it's better to have this conversation now and say it's not a midfield crisis anymore because they have created this alternative than where the situation we were in January, February time when they were losing to Wolves, yeah. Brighton, all that, like 3-0 every week. Yeah, it's certainly nice just to be able to see a bit of a template, isn't it, in terms of, of where all these players fit in. And Theo mentions Fabio Carvalho. He's one that I would look at and think could be a potential winner. I think he's only played, is it five Premier League minutes since the first game with Nottingham Forest, something like that. Anyway, um, yeah, what what do you reckon for, for him in the summer? There's been lots of speculation that he could leave and that kind of makes sense, but I probably want it to be alone rather than a, a yeah. permanent. Yeah, I think, you know, any talk of... I mean, you think, first of all, how hard Liverpool pushed to get him initially in the January transfer window last year. And obviously, I think, that, I think in the end, it was a deal was done too late and there was kind of no deal sheet yeah. in the champion or whatever it kind of was and how they couldn't get it over the line. And then, obviously, the fact they went back in and even, you know, as, as he kind of lit up the, the championship with Fulham going for the title... You know, those talks of like teams like Dortmund and, and all those kind of teams being interested in him. So Porto as well, weren't they? Yeah, so the, the fact that Liverpool obviously sold him, you, you know, what would have been a long term vision. And I know people have kind of asked that, you know, has, has there been any problems behind the scenes and stuff? But I think uh, for starters, I, don't, I didn't expect him to play. I didn't expect him to play as little as he has done, but I also didn't expect him to play, you know, as much as like Harvey Elliott has done or something like that. So I think there is a middle ground between the two. Um, but I, I think part of it as well is that. You know, Liverpool have had a massive identity crisis this year. So it's like, as someone who is, you know, still kind of cutting out a, a career for himself in a certain position, obviously played a lot after left of Fulham last year. You know, where do you throw him in? You know, you look who he's up against in, in terms of off the left hand side, it would be obviously Nunes, obviously Diaz before his injury, Jota at times. So, you know, he is up against, you, you know, proven European players. And, you know, he's what, he's 20, 21, is he kind of thing. So, you know, he's still got plenty of time ahead. Um, but I think, you know, as we touched on earlier, I think Curtis Jones is the shining example at the moment of how quickly things can change. And obviously, I know maybe it's a slightly different with Curtis Jones because he's had the injuries and, and, and he has been really unlucky with injuries in, in the fact of obviously his training schedule has changed and all that kind of thing. So he hasn't obviously been seen as much as he would have liked this year but you know he's kind of come to the to the fore in, in recent games and kind of now you, you'd expect him to start against Spurs on on Sunday the only thing that you would say is, is fitness permitting if his plan allows him to um, but I think I think alone would would maybe you know I think would potentially be the best solution for all parties next year because I, I do worry if I mean if Liverpool finish in the Europa League yes you can make a good case that you play you'd be playing once a week and you know a couple of times a month in the Cups and, and maybe in the Premier League you know from September to to the end of the end of the year, but I just I just worry if kind of push comes to shove and Liverpool, you know, if they are in a top four sprint next season or a title sprint, and when it gets to that business end of the season, I mean, we saw it with again Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones last year. I think, you know, they played at Southampton, didn't they, on the final away game of the season? But they they'd hardly played before that. I think Elliott hadn't played since the League Cup final, maybe or or was was, so around that time. So and we saw it with Keller as well. Is that I've said it was different with the goalkeeper, but you know. When push comes to shove, Klopp has his first choice 11, 12, 13 players, and it kind of, you know, it's kind of unforgiving when you're up against Manchester City trying to get every, you know, fight every tooth and nail kind of thing. So I think if they could get a suitable loan in the Prem, you know, that would maybe be, be quite good. You know, you maybe look at 
Fulham, you know, return there would, would in in hindsight, Fulham yeah, this year would have been, would have been perfect, perfect for him. Um, Sounds like you read my piece the other week. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it depends what what their aspirations are, but obviously, he was very highly thought of there, wasn't he? So, you know, that's somewhere where he knows the the kind of surroundings. He obviously knows the coach, knows the players, and that would, you know, it wouldn't be alone where he has to adapt. You know, for it take a couple of months, he would be, you know, you'd imagine it would it would be quite seamless of a transition. But then there's also the fact of you know, with with players leaving, you look at Oxley Chamberlain, James Milner could go, Naby Keita. Obviously, I know they'll bring in a few midfielders, but chances could be there. Just, I think it's quite hard to tell at the moment because if Liverpool are in the Champions League, it's a completely different kettle of fish. If Liverpool are in the Conference League, it's completely different. If Liverpool are in the Europa League, it's completely different. So, there's so many scenarios. You think as well, if if obviously if you're in the lower the, uh, the European competitions, you get an extra League Cup game. So there's all these kind of you know different equations and and, and tallies up that that needs to obviously be be finalised over the next six weeks, but. I mean, he has showed glimpses from kind of what has been there. You know, he scored the winner against Newcastle. It's obviously the highlight, isn't it? But he scored against Bournemouth. He was kind of thrown into the derby, wasn't he, for the first half? I think he got did he get pulled at half time in that yes, one? I think. Um, I mean, even at the time, I think they, they do Elliot and Carvalho the same day. I think didn't they in that Stopped one? Time. Yeah, so I think they. they Spinino came on in like midfield. Or so they both started that one, which was obviously a brave call from from Jurgen Klopp, um, but. You know, it obviously just hasn't been able to kick on, which is frustrating. And it's interesting as well with what, what what's kind of happened this year with his international development. Obviously, he seems to have kind of put the back burners on on Portugal, didn't he? You know, towards the end of twenty twenty three, and you know, maybe if that was with one eye on on you know moving back to you know coming back into the England fold, or maybe if that was one eye on you know trying to force his way into Klopp's thinking during the during the international breaks. Who knows? But I would certainly be surprised if Liverpool were to sanction a permanent move this summer. I think it would just be. Why would considering, you know, if you did another year at a, you know a Premier League club, you'd almost double your money on him instantly just purely from the fact he's he's racked up thirty Premier League games. So, you know, it's I don't think it's a worry yet, but I think this time next year maybe there's a probably a more serious conversation to be had. I've got one concern about him, and I'm going to come up with loads of stuff after that that isn't a concern. But what is he? Yeah, he's, he's not a winger, is he? He doesn't look quick enough to be a winger. He doesn't look physical enough to be a striker, and he doesn't look physical enough to be a number eight. He looks like a number 10 and Liverpool don't play with a number 10 maybe he could do it in this new box formation as that number 10 well, wide like we said Henderson and Jones do but at the same time it's very short term that we're panicking about Fabio Carvalho like he was signed yeah. on a long term contract he wasn't meant to come in and have an immediate impact this year yes he's a bit older than Elliot a bit younger than Jones but you're expecting a bit more from him based on his age but last year was his first full season of professional yeah. football. He's a bit behind on his progress in that terms. And it just takes time. Like Liverpool had him as a, a long-term project. Like we can say in hindsight, you should have loaned him to Fulham or wherever. Uh, I believe that personally in hindsight. But at the same time, you can see why they didn't. Like come in, have six months a year. You get into play under Jurgen Klopp. You get into play with Thiago and all these world-class players. You're learning from them. You're learning the job. You're learning the demands. Then you go out on loan. Yeah. Then you go and do what Elliot did at Blackburn. Then you've got that experience. You can come back and you can have a real go of it in this Liverpool first team. Like Carvalho is basically signed partly because he's homegrown. He's a talented player, but he's homegrown, so he bolsters us those. But because of his time with Fulham, he's already ticked that box. So he doesn't need to be at Liverpool any longer to tick that box. And he's too old to be on list B or whatever. Yes, yeah. He's not been at the club long enough to be at list B. Then he'll be too old to be on list B. And he won't ever be uh, club trained. He'll only ever be association trained. So they can essentially loan him out. It doesn't matter for them. Then he comes back. He's of age. He can properly make a claim for being in the squad, being ticking all those quotas. 
because at the moment he's in that weird middle ground where you don't need to register from Premier League but you do for Champions League which is why Calvin Ramsey was left out of Champions League squad second half of the season but you don't need to panic about Carvalho just yet like let him have a pre-season or if they're definitely going to loan him out do what they did with I think Connor Bradley you know when you just let him go early in the summer and then he can have the full campaign with the club then you bring him back then you have a proper look at him and you see what he could do but he's obviously a talented player he's a versatile player he just needs to grow a bit get a bit of muscle and then play a bit more men's football whether that's Premier League Championship someone like Porto because he has been linked with that move abroad we'll see but there's a bit of a talent I think we've seen it though in glimpses haven't we just I think that's the reassuring thing is you know similar kind of Elliot one in his first season obviously as Theo says before he went to Blackburn and you know there are glimpses and obviously you know people say maybe it's not enough and maybe he hasn't grabbed his opportunities you know as we say he started at Everton and those kind of things um, I think was his, was his last start I think it was it was Wolves in the Cup wasn't it in the, in the replay and it did quite well there but I remember before that when we started at the Etihad he scored didn't he but he got dragged at half time I think and even that game although he does get the goal and he pops up kind of in that you know it's kind of a Frank Lampard-esque run isn't it a late run into the box but I think it's you know it's, it's maybe off the ball you know work maybe isn't there on that level and I think you know given a Jurgen Klopp system and how meticulous it is I think if you're off beat or off pace by you know an inch or a yard I think you can get passed through and ripped apart and obviously in that game that we're playing against Manchester City so I think, as Theo says, if you know doing a first season as a, as a fully fledged Liverpool first team player isn't a bad thing. It's not a wasted twelve months or nine months, whatever. He, you know, at least he knows what he's up for when he comes back. And then, if it is a case of going on loan to the Championship, you know, another Premier League club or abroad, he comes back next. He goes away, sorry, next season, and he knows in the back of his mind what's expected of him and what what he's walking into in in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five, and you know at that age he'll what be twenty three, you know the same age of what Curtis Jones now, so you know still plenty of, of time and plenty of years left ahead of him. And in terms of his position, Theo, I mean obviously they've got to work out what that is. Maybe Liverpool do have a plan for that, but I suppose if if he was to go out on loan, say to Fulham, do you think he'd have to go and play the position that Liverpool want him to play, or is it more just a case of? Let's just get some minutes, give him the action, and if he plays number 10 for a season, then that's fine. We can sort of solve that afterwards. Personally, I'd like to see him play the position they want him to play, but the issue is Liv might not know the position they want him to play at the moment. But having said that, at the same time, you don't necessarily need that to be the be-all and end-all. Like Harvey Elliott went to Blackburn, played a season on the right wing, and then Klopp reinvented him as this central midfielder. Granted, long-term, Liverpool might see him as a right-winger, as a sort of replacement for Salah as he gets a bit older, but Liverpool, as we said earlier in this podcast, they like the versatility. They like the players being able to play these different positions. I think Carvalho just needs to needs to beef up a bit. He's probably not going to have another growth spurt, but you know, a bit more muscle in him, get a bit more used to that physicality, that faster pace. Which probably means Championship was a bit too easy for him. Yeah, so yeah. Premier League or the European League, where it's a completely different style, but something like that, and then play a few roles. Then Liverpool can make that decision later on. Like they, they want to be fluid. They're not going to say. This is it. You are a number 10. This is all you will ever play. Things change. We've seen that now with Jordan Henderson. He was number six for a few years. Then he was a number eight. Now he's this weird number 10 winger. Things change. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
yeah, certainly will be interesting to see what they do. But I'd be I'd be very surprised if they if they let him go permanently. I think mm. it's it's got to be got to be a, a lone move. But uh, let's move on to to Tottenham then. Obviously on Sunday, Theo will obviously have to put it into the wider context of the top four race, which is just about still on. We were <laughs> all hoping, I think, for a favour from Everton, which certainly didn't materialise last night. But uh, yeah, what do you reckon if if Liverpool win all of their games? Are you still hopeful or? Is it maybe looking a little bit less likely? I think it's too much at this point. I, I don't see Newcastle dropping the points at the moment. They're playing so well. There was that hope where, oh, you've just been battered 3-0 by Aston Villa. Yeah. The door's open. But then they've put in the perfect response there yeah. by scoring 10 goals against Spurs and Everton. Um, United have got that easier run in. They're looking a bit more fragile. <sighs> I don't see them dropping enough either. Liverpool have just got to make sure that they win their games, they pile the pressure on, and that if there is a slip-up, they are there to grab it. Like We've seen that time and time again in recent years, when it's Liverpool breathing down the next Manchester City, you're just waiting for that slip-up. Maybe this is why we're being pessimistic, because we've been in those situations and you're just used to it not coming. Maybe there will be that slip-up and Liverpool can pounce, but as it stands, my gut feeling is they're going to be fifth. They're going to miss out. Spurs, they'll finish above easily. They'll, They'll win on Sunday. Spurs aren't very good. (laughs) <laughs> Brighton they've got the games in hand but you'd like to think they look like they're tiring out a bit though don't they they look like they're tiring a little bit they don't really have a striker do they with Ferguson injured Villa you can't imagine they keep it up all season long I they've got some a... tough games left as well yeah. Villa I think so, Welcome to uh, Old Trafford and Anfield haven't they Villa so, mm. yeah. so it's in I think Doyle's done this piece a couple of weeks ago if Liverpool win all their games which includes Spurs and Villa they're fifth yeah, yeah. then it's just seeing what happens above you and if there is enough leeway there for, to sneak in but it is looking tough Newcastle have got some tough games as well I suppose I think they've still got Arsenal and Brighton they've got Chelsea away on the last game of the season but I don't think that's particularly no. <laughs> tough at the moment to be honest but um, th- there is there is a glimmer of hope but let's say they were to lose those three yeah. they've got a better goal difference than Liverpool yeah. they'd still only be level so it's it's not just those it's three the points as well, it's one more it? as well it's isn't an it? insane goal difference now as well isn't it yeah, yeah. And after, I, after the last two it's well that's the thing and as Dio says after that, that Villa game uh, last Saturday or Saturday week whenever it was you know, you're thinking, here we go, because they had that wobble kind of just before the cup yeah. final when they when they played Liverpool, and they weren't scoring that many goals. Obviously, they lose the cup final to United, and then they kind of got themselves back on track with a late winner at Forest a few weeks later. And you may be thinking, it's, it's, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because that squad's obviously got a completely different experience to you know runnings at the top of the table. So you're thinking, does that kind of uh, inexperience help them in a sense of they don't know what's coming, so they're just you know taking every game it comes, or is it? one of those where one push comes to shove because they are odds on favourites now to get top four you know that they start to crumble but you know the last two games to be to be fair to them and, and for the majority of the season they, they've been really impressive and obviously the, the jump has, has been great but I think last night was the one where you think you know even if they were to draw there you could maybe hang your hat on something and be yeah. like well are the, are the cracks starting to show blah 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 but you know, it was uh, you know the, the the ten goals in two games, as you say, is, is essentially an extra point. They made changes as well yeah. yesterday. The Isak was on the bench had, without say maximum as well. Yeah. He was injured, so you know they have got the quality there. And I, I suppose the, the reassuring thing is, as Steve says, Liverpool have been here before in, in completely different scenarios. Whether it be fighting for Champions League success, top four finishes, league title success, they've always had something to play for in every season on the clock. So. You know, you, I know people have said, "Oh, will Liverpool win all their games?" But you know, they have the mentality and they're ready to, to pounce if you know an opportunity presents itself. But I just, I just think the tweak, you know, that has kind of revitalised Liverpool and, and seemingly Trent Alexander-Arnold has just come a bit too late. If it had maybe come, you know, in the March international break, just beforehand, you, you, you might have thought, "Well, there is a chance." But I just think now with. 
the games remaining, you know, even if they were to win all, all five or all six, whatever's left, it, I think, is it 71 points they'll end up on? I think so. I think so. And, you know, it's normally what 74, 75 points would probably do for top four. I just think they'll fall short, which is, you know, an awful shame. But, you know, as, as I say, at least there's some kind of element of positivity going into the to the next season that they've kind of, they've not used, these nine games haven't been redundant from when they've started to change. At least they've kind of put the building blocks in place. But, um, yeah, I fully, I fully think... Uh, even United with with their injuries and and kind of the the hangover from Wembley and and the Europa League, I, I still can't see them dropping enough points. Really, I, I'd expect them to beat Villa, at Old Trafford, and as I think I think they've got like Fulham as well. And you know, the games they should be winning. And you know, so I think I think it will be proved you know a task too a stretch too far for Liverpool. I would say Newcastle as a team baffle me. Like they've got some good players. Bruno is a brilliant midfielder. Isaac's really impressed since he's got over that injury yeah. and he's scoring goals and stuff. But how many of them otherwise would you say, yeah, they would start for Champions League teams? Yeah, Nick, it's crazy, isn't like, it? Nick Pope is at his level. Yeah. The rest of their defence... Dan Byrne, like, which is crazy, isn't it? Maybe sure. they're getting to Manchester United because of how poor they are defensively or Tottenham, but they're not getting into City. They're not getting into no. Liverpool. They're not getting into Arsenal. Like, Trippier has made a massive difference yeah. because he's had that experience yeah. at Atletico, at Tottenham in Man City's academy and stuff he's been at that higher level and he's getting that extra levels from them but this is I think they've got a good blender I think that I think you know if you, if you look at Forrest is, is, is you know they, they've obviously got the quality and you could make a case that they've you know a lot of Forest players on papers are probably getting to Newcastle's squad at the start of the season but there's no cohesion there is there there's no collective quality but obviously with Newcastle they've, they've kind of built well you know if you look at one man Man City got took over and they, they just threw money at kind of everyone and anyone and Newcastle have obviously taken obviously because of the restraints of FFP as well playing a part in that but they've obviously gradually done it and they've got that blend of people who obviously like you say Trippier who you know is a really shrewd signing who was kind of the start of it all wasn't he and then Gamera's and then but they've got players like Dan Byrne and people, it's, it's just wild Almiron is a completely yeah. completely new entity and, and you know he'll never have a season like that in his, his life again and I'm sorry if you're watching Miguel but I, <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if he pulls up those numbers you're uh, going to be next season's Jack <laughs> He's gonna, you're going to be the one he calls back to but it's, it's just those kind of things isn't it I mean you know you look at when Liverpool got top four in, in, in 2016-2017 and Adam Lallana had the season of his life didn't he I think sometimes you just need those players to go above and beyond and you know, whether that continues, I mean, I'd be surprised if he's at Newcastle in, in 12, 24 months, to be quite honest with you. But, you know, fair play. He's obviously seized the opportunity. But it, the worry... Salah's replacement at Liverpool. <laughs> the worry is now is that it's become a, a, a... You know, Newcastle will have more movement to, in terms of FFP next year with obviously getting the, the Champions League. And, and that is a worry because that does make it a, you know, a top a top seven, doesn't it, really? And, I mean, whether Tottenham drop out of that race entirely. But, you know, looking ahead of next season with Liverpool and... I mean, Newcastle is an attractive proposition now to, to kind of anyone in Europe, especially if they get Champions League so soon. And that is a slight worry, is, is how do Liverpool, if they do get Europa League and it's Thursday, Sunday, I mean, how do they kind of sustain that challenge up against, you know, all these kind of nation states of, you know, City and then Newcastle. So, it, you know, that is the slight worry was, you know, some I, I know a lot of neutrals are, oh, it's nice to see Newcastle back, but I think from a, certainly from a Liverpool perspective, it is, it is worrying. Yeah, they have spent a little bit more money than I think a lot of people tend yeah. to, to mention. They have they have spent big, but you'd expect them to spend big again, as Kiefer says. You know, if they've got the extra little financial fair play stuff because of this top four that they might get into this summer, it could be could be one where they really kick on and, and maybe maybe they're what two, three, four years ahead of, of where people thought they would be in terms of maybe even a title push next season. Yeah, they're definitely ahead of schedule, but they still won't get that blend right. Like since Chelsea this year, you can't just sign yeah. everyone you want because they're available and you've got the money. They've been sensible so far. Though, yeah, they've been they? sensible so far. But it's 
when they suffer that setback now, like the fans are love them, manager's got all this pedigree because he's got them into this position, but then maybe what if it doesn't go their way or they get distracted because they're playing Champions League and that, they're about getting that balance right. We saw Liverpool, how they did it in Klopp's first couple of seasons, a few shrewd signings. Obviously, they never had those riches, but they still made a few shrewd signings, got into the top four. Then they've just been constants in the top end ever since. Like Newcastle, you'd imagine at some point, are going to be genuine title contenders because they can throw that much money at it, because they can make their squad that much stronger. But it's still not overnight success. It's, yeah, they're ahead of schedule, but it's still they've got to build on it. They've got to find that consistency now. And maybe these players are having the seasons of their life and they're not going to do it again. But then you've got to replace them. You've got to bring in the a lot of them as well, literally fighting for their futures. Yeah. You know, it is you know, you look at Sean Longstaff and you think, you know, he should be nowhere near the Champions League, but I suppose he's like a boiled Newcastle fan and you know, he as Dio says, obviously it's all going rosy now, but if they do get a setback, you know, they can just go and bring in another thirty five, forty million pound midfielder. You know, no wonder they're yeah. probably playing it. The top end, but my my my. I know it's not a Newcastle podcast, but my hot take is that Eddie Howe will not be the manager there in eighteen months. I think, I, you know, especially if they do get in the Champions League, I think they'll become at a point where, you know, he's obviously done a fantastic job so far, but I think they'll have to be ruthless to take the next step. And he's replacing Southgate after the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'd certainly be interesting. I think the other thing that sort of helped Newcastle has been that Liverpool has been so poor, Chelsea yeah, has been so poor. That's it, isn't it? As well, if the Klopp other teams get their act together, he said that at his press conference. Like teams are taking advantage because Liverpool have had issues, Tottenham have had issues, Chelsea have had issues. Yeah. But as Keith has just said, that means you could have seven properly yeah. in contention next yeah. year because Chelsea will spend. They might have to sell, but they will spend. You'd like to think with a manager they'll get a bit of cohesion there. Yeah. United, especially if this takeover goes through, they will spend. We've heard reports of a squad overhaul. Arsenal in the Champions League, having nearly won the title, they will spend. City will do what City do. Like, it, it could Tot- be... Tottenham sell Kane and then they've got yeah. that money. I mean, if, if, if Arsenal go and get Declan Rice and you know finish second in Champions League football, that is arguably progression that no one would have ever seen this you talk about signings from going from you know like an Alisson Becker and a Van Dyke away from going from fourth to second to you know to first that is you know as good as I think you can get you know Premier League proven quality in England international obviously apart from you know someone like a Jude Bellingham but that is a real s- statement of intent so you know people saying that oh you know Arsenal have, you know they're not the real deal kind of thing they've only beaten what's in front of them but you know, if you had a Declan Rice into the mix there and it's like well all of a sudden Liverpool's job becomes you know, a lot harder the next season and, and as you say it puts a big emphasis on recruitment and everything we've kind of touched on over the last half an hour because you know there is seemingly less room for for error this summer really they've got to get it right they can't afford a, a summer like last year so what we're saying is Liverpool could have an awful season and finish fifth next season they could be so much better sign <laughs> all these players <laughs> and finish sixth nice and positive boys <laughs> it's a good job the Champions League is expanding after that isn't it because they might need yeah. to at this rate but uh... The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We shall move on anyway. We'll go on to, to Tottenham properly as we pick our teams and we can talk about a few bits and pieces as we go along. But uh, I'll start with you, Theo, obviously. We know Alisson will be in goal. Are you going to bring Ibrahim Konate straight back in or has Matip's winning goal mean that, that he will keep his place? Konate keeps it. It's back to that first choice. Back four slash three, whatever we're calling it. We still Let's call it a four for now. <laughs> Trent inverted, Robbo on the left and uh, Van Dijk, the other centre-back. Like, they just need more clean sheets, but that is Liverpool's strongest back four, five, without question. Yeah, same as Dio. Yeah, I'm the same as well. I'd, I'd bring him straight back in. I think 
know, the, the fact that they saved him midweek when they could have yeah, probably says pushed him lot, probably it? says that he's going to come back in for, for this one. But maybe a little bit more interesting in the midfield is the changes that you'd like to see there or is it more consistency? Yeah, I mean, I, I, think I said prior to, to West Ham that I, I thought Curtis Jones would, would drop out. Um, maybe even said it prior to the Forest as well. But it's, it's such a difficult balance because if he's got the momentum as and he's got the confidence, he's, he's kind of growing each week. Um, you know, when is a good time to take him out? I think obviously Saturday, sorry, Sunday will be another big test, a big game at Anfield. Um, you know, maybe do you look at the Fulham and Brentford games as potentially ones where you could, well, certainly one of those you'd expect him maybe to, to be given given a rest. Um, so, you know, fitness kind of issues aside, I would, I would keep him keep him in. I think the issue is, not the issue, but the, the kind of dilemma for me is on the right in terms of what he does because obviously we've seen with this box midfield that obviously Henderson's kind of in that, that 10 half space and I, ju- I just don't think it is, what it goes without saying, it just isn't him, is it? Yeah. And, you know, do you bring someone like Harvey Elliott in? But then obviously is the kind of, you know, you know looking at Spurs in, time, in terms of counter-attacking and the protection that you are going to need, you know, do you need someone like Henderson in just more of a reserved role? But, I don't know. He obviously goes with likes his tried and trusted, but then he, he threw Harvey Elliott into the United game, didn't he? And he's yeah. obviously kind of had a few weeks away out of the, the line after playing so much this season. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did go, if he went to uh, Elliott, Fabinho, Jones. Um, but obviously I can understand if he kind of keeps Henderson again and then maybe makes the changes on, on Wednesday night against Fulham. I'm going to go with Elliot. I think if you're going to play him in that kind of system, it's probably got to be a home game. I know there's a, a good yeah. few home games coming <laughs> up, isn't there? But uh, I think I think I'd go with Elliot instead of, of Henderson. I thought Henderson was was pretty poor to be honest midweek, and maybe could just be taken out for for this one. But which way do you reckon? I'm leaving it as it is. Like if as long as Jones is fit, he keeps his place. Like he has been the standout midfielder at the yeah. moment. Um, I've got this issue with the midfield, like. On paper, the strongest one is still Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson, but we've seen this season that doesn't work anymore. It doesn't have the legs anymore. And it's about getting the balance right. Like You can't have Thiago and Elliot in the same midfield because you need that bit more physicality, and, and that's what Henderson and Jones, to a lesser extent, provide. You know, maybe need to be a bit more conservative for a game against Tottenham. And like, I don't have many midfielders that have the legs that defensively that Henderson can offer, like the alternative to James Milner. And while he hasn't played, he's a bit fresher. He'd still lean towards your captain, a bit of experience yeah. and leadership. But then when you've got Brentford, Fulham coming up, teams that you'd like to think are on the beach when you're, you're playing at Anfield, that's when you can put in a Thiago Elliott, think you're on the ball more, have more control of it. So yeah, for that consistency and rhythm, I'd keep the midfield as it is for this one. Yeah, it's interesting that none of us have gone for Thiago. It probably says a lot about his <laughs> yeah, performances and, since his comeback. And, and to be fair, fair I, thought he was, I thought he was really good against Arsenal in, in his comeback game. I, I thought you know, it was a lovely little cameo from him, but... I just wonder now with this new system in, in terms of, you, you know, you look at the position where Trent picks up the ball from in that kind of, you know, that, that kind of half space, you know, in between the midfield and the defence. And that's kind of Thiago's trick on the other side. You know, they're both, you know, Van Dijk isn't spraying one of his, you know, cannonball diags. It's it's Thiago who would normally pick it up. So I do wonder if maybe they are keeping him back just in kind, you know, just to like, experiment with Trent in that sense of, you know, we want to see what this role can do. And obviously... Whilst Spurs haven't been in, in, in great form in, in recent times, it's still a big game at Anfield. Another, you know, if Liverpool win this game with this new system, you know, you're unbeaten in six. You know, you've, again, talking about winning in every kind of way, you've won a big game at Anfield with that. And, you know, what, whether the control will be there for the 90 minutes again, you know, it's, it's another huge tick off ahead of next season. I just think, I just think with Thiago, you know what you're going to get. 
So it's like, you know, you might as well kind of experiment with the likes of Elliot and, 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 and Trent in that kind of position as well. So, yeah, certainly something to uh, watch out for in the last few games. I'm sure he will get some minutes. Less sure about Naby Keita. None of us have mentioned him, but there's a possibility <laughs> that he might be back in. But we shall see if he plays again for Liverpool. But uh, Theo, in terms of the forward line, I would be surprised if Luis Diaz was to start, but I'm sure we'll see him again. <laughs> but. Uh, what do you reckon? Is the a shout for Darwin Nunez? I think it's interesting, sort of where he fits into this new look attack. It, it's an interesting one because Jota did take that heavy blow to his back, and I Klopp says they need to have a look at it, see how that develops. Like he's looked good in this new formation. Like, he's obviously better defensively than Darwin Nunez. He works harder um, without any start on Nunez there, and he speaks the language, yeah. so it helps him bed in more. Like Klopp said a few times now, and he's all these when you piece them together. This is why Jota is starting, and Nunez isn't. Because Liverpool will need that bit of familiarity. They need that harder work defensively, leading from the attack. But you've got to protect him as well. He's had so many injuries this year, big injuries. We don't know how bad that but the back one was. It looked painful. Did a scream, couldn't you? It was, yeah, it was, it was really a loud bad, yeah. scream. He was taken off just before the hour mark. It's, I thought Diaz looked really good when he came on. But he looked I think sharp, didn't he? It's probably a game too early to yeah, I think give Fulham him that would be start. A good, yeah. So... It's, if Jota's fit Jota keeps his place but if they are worried about him Darwin's the only one left for me so yeah. it's that asterisk next to one of them <laughs> yeah I think I'm with you I think I'd stick with Diogo Jota I know he, he wasn't wasn't great was he but he, has, scored, he, but, he yeah. scored four in three yeah. now instead of four in two it's not too bad yeah no I'm, I'm exactly the same I mean the, the whole Nunes conundrum is, is an interesting one and I'm sure it's something that will be heavily kind of analysed in the summer in terms of where does he fit long term if you, when you have Luis Diaz and, and kind of Diogo Jota is what seems now is your left side in you know pairing. Um, I, obviously, Cody Gakpo at the minute is indispensable down the middle as well. I thought he was brilliant again in terms of bringing other people into play on on Wednesday night. And obviously, Mohamed Salah speaks for himself. So, yeah, I think obviously the left side is is the kind of only one where you make a debate. But as Dio says, you know, Jota's done well. It's just whether he kind of you know you're looking at not taking unnecessary risks at this stage of a season when you know top four is potentially gone. So. I'll side with Theo on this one and, and yourself and, and uh, yeah I'd start Jota I think he keeps his place but obviously I, you know there's no problems if Nunes he starts that one because you know, obviously he does a game on Wednesdays and so it could be a good chance for him to get some much needed rhythm yeah I think if Nunes does play it will probably be off the left I think yeah in terms of what Cody Gakpo has done I've been really impressed yeah, with him he's, he's been one of my favourite players at the moment which my favourite player changes quite a lot <laughs> but yes uh, he's certainly I'm surprised you've have one this season yeah well yeah my, my least worst player <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to, to score predictions then uh, Theo I'll start with you I know you, uh, you've already written off Spurs so we know I've you're going to go for a Liverpool week win. for a few weeks now <laughs> I write Spurs off a lot um, it's not quite the doily level is it but getting there I'll, I'll go 2-0 Liverpool or clean sheet as well interesting yeah, turn the corner I think I'll go for for three one. I think I, I can see I can see Tottenham scoring on the counter. Yeah, I think three one as well. I think there's goals in it, isn't there? And I, I think you know Tottenham are you know it's two sides really. Tottenham obviously hope the top four are gone, but two sides that you know aren't going to be sitting back. They've essentially if they if they lose this one, their seasons are probably over. And but also if they if they don't win it, their seasons are probably over. So yeah. you know they, they obviously both you know go hell for leather, you'd imagine. And uh, yeah, I, I just can't see us keeping a clean sheet. I think obviously Kane and Son obviously. You know, deadly as we saw last night, but so for Charleston. Yeah, <laughs> that would be the time we want it. But no, I think I think Liverpool will just probably have too much on the day. I'd hope anyway. Oh, 
That's the point. Richardson's going to score, isn't he? He's got league goal all season. Back at Anfield. Big celebration. He's another one that you've written off, is it? I, I've, not, I've not said anything no. about Richardson. No, he, he always scores against Liverpool, or he kicks someone at least. Anyway, yes. so yeah. we can't be too mean about him. Maybe you can do the uh, the kind of Mikel Arteta and Granite Xhaka thing of winding up the crowd, and maybe yes. the game can turn on that. Yes. Liverpool need that. Yes, certainly. Well, we shall see what happens. I'm sure it will be a good game. And thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. We'll be back on Monday with all of the reaction. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.